Welcome to the Aikidojo Podcast. I'm David Ito, Chief Instructor of the Aikido Center of Los Angeles. And with me is... Mike Van Ruth, Aikido Fourth Don, Yaido Fourth Don. Bill D'Angelo, Aikido Fourth Don. So today, uh, we thought we would talk about weapons and Aikido. Weapons and Aikido training. Um, it's, you know, a, a very... Contro- not contro- well, see, there's a little controversy to it. There's a, it, there's there's yes and no. There's for and against. There's should you do it? Should you not do it? You're not doing it the right way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what it really comes down to. Is that the right way? You're not doing it the the right, right way. way. Uh, well, I mean, what do you want to know about? Well, weapons? maybe what what maybe before that when we say weapons, but everyone at this table here has done Iaido at some time or is still doing it. There's that. But when we say you're not doing it the right way, maybe for people that there's a lot of people who are listening that are doing Aikido, so they know what weapons. But when we say weapons, what do we th- mean by weapons in Aikido? Because I can think of a bunch, but what are the traditional weapons that we you, we would use in Aikido training? Well, you'd have sword, bo- sword and boken, or Joe shortstaff. Okay, and maybe tanto sometimes. Well, that's defense against that. That's not really the, the use training of. use. Okay, so ta- so. Boken and Joe. Yes. Yeah. Traditional weapons. So how do those come into play? Which Why are? those weapons and what benefit does it have in Aikido training? What is it teaching us? Well, I mean, you have to kind of think about <clears throat> it's not so much the role of weapons in Aikido per se, the use of like the sword or the use of the Joe, but it's that the the idea is, is that all Aikido technique all Aikido movement, all Aikido timing is based on weapons movement and weapons timing. So the quick way to get good at Aikido movement is to get good at the weapon. So when you say the movement and the timing, uh, does that mean that, like when you watch something like, like I watched a ton of Olympics in the last couple of weeks and I watched all the, the fencing ones and you see with them that uh, even though there's three different uh, fencing events, the epee, the, the foil, and the saber, there's they when they go to strike, especially when it's a thrust, their their body gets very elongated. They they lunge, they extend, and the spacing is far, uh, except when they when they both lunge at each other and then they collapse the space. But I'm curious what you mean by um, what the timing is with wep- how weapons goes to open hand in terms of spacing does it mean that that the aikido spacing is similar to weapons work or is it that we learn from the spacing and weapons work how to judge timing and spacing well yes that's the idea is that in the old days osensei would not accept you as a student if you didn't have prior martial arts training uh sword training or for or, or were from a reputable family right and so yes you're right that Learning how to use the sword or the joe or some other weapon teaches you timing and spacing. But really the thing that you're it's teaching you that Aikido sometimes doesn't really teach you is this idea of eating me. Right? So you learn how to move in and attack. And Aikido is not about moving in and attacking today, especially. And so but that's the idea, is that with one would think that as you mastered a different martial art or sword that you have gotten all the fighting and ego of the fighting out of your system. Yeah, that's that's what I think of when I think of uh, you know, like when I think of Iaido or even Joe. But like uh, that, like, like I, I, I default back to the Olympics. When you see these attacks, the the word that comes to my mind is aggression. Like when I I think of weapons, is you you're, you're developing an aggressive mindset. And you just said, like, you're getting that aggression out of you. But you still have to learn, like, even in Aikido practice, the, the um, uke has to offer aggression to some extent to the, the nage who's, who's throwing. You, you ha- there, has, there is a place for aggression in the training, isn't there, to some extent? Well, I mean, the Olympics uh, is a—your your example about the Olympics is it's a sport. Right. Right. And so sport fencing, sport judo, sport karate, sport, all these things is that it's you're not required to kill the person. Right. And, you know, there's a veneer that happens when two people are facing off. 
So the veneer is the only the thing that you see, right? And because you can only see what they, they're showing you, you have to be very careful that they don't have a weapon, that they don't have a long weapon, they don't have a gun, a knife, a stun gun, because all you see is the veneer, right? And so when you engage a person, you have to almost, um, you have to knock them out, knock them down, or kill them with one blow. Right. Because if that person was hiding a stun gun in their back pocket or a gun behind their back and you you engage them and then you're only used to point touching them to win the match, you, that one point touch isn't going to put them out. So if you think about, you know, there's nothing wrong with karate or there's nothing wrong with kendo, but those are sports. Right. When you when you do kendo, you're, you might be cutting them and, and hitting them with the shinai. But you're not really cutting them down. Right. If you touch someone with the sword and it's sharp enough, you could inflict a really bad cut, but it may not kill them. Right. Right. And so if you think about like stuff that's written in the Hagakure and like they talk about like you're only supposed to go forward and cut. And that even a person the, – the idea in the martial arts is that even if a person was at death's door – you There's still able, something left. You should be able to muster the, the ability to cut one more time. Right. And so, you know, like in the style of Yaido that we do, when we do the Niketsuke, we go across the shoulder to cut the deltoid. Right. Other styles of Yaido go across, across the, the eye yeah. to blind the person. But if you think about this idea that a person will still be able to move forward and cut when they're blinded, puts you, you in danger because you collapse the spacing in order to cut them. Right. Right, and so if you cut their deltoid, they can't lift their arm. They can't you, strike. Right, and so that's this idea of like using a weapon and understanding weapon spacing and timing that they don't have an Aikido that you have hopefully learned in your sword training as a young person or in your other martial arts training, other fighting styles. But so today, when we think about this idea of weapons, uh, studying Aiki weapons is still not studying weapons. Hmm. Right, so you think about this idea of swordsmanship. Doing kendo is still not swordsmanship. Doing swordsmanship lacks the competitiveness of kendo. But you have to kind of have all those things together to really kind of understand both sides of the coin in terms of combat. So what do you do? Like, so what do you do with a beginning Aikido student who's I mean, let's say you the, the, a, a normal Aikido student that we get in our school is often someone who's maybe like 30, 35. It's never done any other martial art. It's not like Japan in 1955. And they walk in the dojo and they're like, I want to do Aikido. And they see all the weapons on the racks. And it's not the pandemic. You know, we've, we've got through the pandemic, so we're not doing Joe Aikido really anymore. Uh, how does that person get integrated into starting to learn weapons so they can develop the mindset, the timing, the spacing. Um, are they allowed to participate in weapons classes or do they practice, can they practice after class or is it something that they get introduced to later in our, in, our, in our school or what's your recommendation? How does that work? Well, that's the hard part is that a person who's going to study Aikido should have a fundamental basic knowledge of how to move in on their opponent, eating me, right? So if you don't have that, your Aikido will always lack something. And so you have two different types of Aikidoists, well, maybe three. You have the Aikidoist that has never done weapons. You have the Aikidoist that does a lot of weapons. And then you have an Aikidoist that does what they think is weapons. You know, And there's a place at the table for everyone. But if you look at like Watanabe-sensei, who's you know fifth Don in Yaido, his ability to cut, and Furu-sensei's ability to cut, when they throw someone, they can create this non, this very linear cut and power that I can't do because I don't have as much weapons work as they do. But then I have more me because of the different martial arts and fighting styles that, that I've studied. But there's a there, when Ken Watanabe Sensei does it, you can tell that there's all this power. Same thing with Free Sensei that uh, a student of today who doesn't who starts Aikido later on in life won't have right. because they didn't study um, a fighting style or they didn't study uh, swordsmanship. So then the question is, what do you do? I'm not really even sure because if you look at the different, if you look at, so like, let's just say, for instance, you look at um, pre-war Aikido and post-war Aikido. So that would be considered like second doshu and 
uh, Shiota Sensei. Mm-hmm. What's Shiota Sensei's signature technique? The Remis. Nage. Yeah. Eating yeah. Nage. What's uh, second Doshu's signature technique? Nage. Iriminage Tenkan. Tenkan style. So Shiota Sensei's uh, is Omote style. Yeah, Omote or Irimi style. And second Doshu's is Tenkan uh, style. Tenkan style. Yeah. But Iriminage is the gold standard technique, right? So if you look at those different, those two, it's where it could be theorized that Shiota Sensei's style is more sword based. And third doshu style is more Aikikai, new Aikido based. You know, not that one is better than the other. So if you think about this idea when we talk about in swordsmanship, you're, both your feet are supposed to be pointed in the direction that you're going to be going. Supposedly, the genius of Yagyu Shinkageru is when the back foot turned Turns. out and the heel came closer to the ground. And that was like that Mutoryu, that no hand technique is supposed to have been like, oh my God, I can't believe that. Right, so then and then Osensei took it a step farther when he did the, what they call like the op, full open stance or sixty sixty stance to where both feet are turned out. Right, right, so that he's no longer going to eat me against you because you can't eat me when your foot is like that. Mm-hmm. Right, so this idea that <clears throat> when you if you look at where how their feet are placed, it's how where they're going to try to go and how they're going to try to uh, use power, and those things are based on swordsmanship. It's really interesting. You know, it's when I think about like how, I mean, I know that you have a lot of kendo experience. Mike has a lot of yaido experience. I've, I've studied yaido for a long time. You know, when we were coming up, so many of the, of the black belts in, in our um, system did yaido and still do yaido. Um, do you think that um, yaido still has um, legs or um, following enough in, in the present system? It's not that it doesn't have legs or following enough. And I don't have that much kendo experience, mind you, but that... Um, but you did do kendo. I did do kendo. Yeah, I, I know that you did. But the hard part about uh, Yaido is that it is a separate art, which takes its own time for it to mature and become, uh, for you to become good at. And so if it took you, I don't know, let's just, if we came out, if it took you 10 years to be good at Aikido, it's going to take you 10 years to get, be good yeah, yeah. at Yaido. And then you're like, I'm I'm starting this at 40, and you're like doing the math in your head, and you're thinking, how am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to get good at both those things? And then you know, as you get older, right, you get you're tired, and then you can't. When you're 20, you can put in, you know, 40 hours of training in. You know, when you're 50, you're like, I can probably muster 10, right, you know, something <laughs> like that. So you know that. And then today in martial art, today in Aikido. Today in Aikido, weapons work is your work to do at home. Right. So someone teaches you how to cut and do all these things. But then if you look at the way people cut with a bulken, it's really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like a swordsmanship, a swordsman, you know, a person who studies swordsmanship would be able to kill you no problem because the way in which you use you do your cut, your cut is incorrect. Right. But then that, does that mean you just... Don't study Aikido at all because you don't have time for weapons? No. Like you, that's, you have to just keep that in mind, right? Like Watanabe-sensei's ability to throw kokyunage forward is so much stronger than mine, right? But then my ability to move my feet and hips are maybe faster than he can. But then I have a smaller body than he does and I have a lower center of gravity. So everyone must work with what they have. Right. So, I mean, but if you th- really think about this idea of studying weapons right uh studying the boken or sword is supposed to teach you linear power right you know central focus uh studying the joe or short staff is supposed to teach you flexibility and freedom of movement hmm. so you kind of need to have both but then so then i study more joe than i do boken so then i have more freedom of movement and my linear power is not as strong someone who studies only boken and no joe is too linear and becomes too stiff so you need to have that balance of the that, two, that balance of the two. Right. But like, but that's the hard part. You can, you're going to spend all this time and money in, in studying Yado to balance out your Aikido. When are you still really even using Aikido to fight? Yeah. Well, I have two questions on that. So and I'm just going to raise them both, but they're different, but I don't want to lose them because I'm 
it's Saturday and I had a long week. But the first one is because I've been holding it back. Um, how do you how do you reconcile the really different mental intents between Iaido, which is a completely separate martial art, um, where it's a very aggressive men- mental state, and Aikido, which is which is not supposed to be that way. Like, how do you reconcile those? And then my other question is, um, how do you, what's your assessment of the benefit, if there are benefits of all the weapons work that the dojo was able to do during the last year in the pandemic? So those are like two different questions, but I'm just, I, I've had them sitting here and I just wanted to throw them out for bo- both of you, but especially for you since, you know, you've had to assess all these things as the teacher with the school in the last year or year and a half. Well, technically, Yaido and Aikido have the same mindset. It's all the non-abiding mind, as, as uh, Takuan Soho says, right? Your mind does not get caught up on any one thing. Right. Yaido in itself is not especially aggressive. It's just movement. It's that where we we place um, emotion on top of that is where aggression comes from, mm. right? There's no aggression without emotion, right? If you have no emotion, there's no no aggression, aggression right? Right. So it's all really the the calm state of mind, right? That your 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 mind can't be bothered. So in Yaido is which is really nice is that while you're doing it, you can't be going like, well, uh, I might need to get eggs later. Oh, I got right, right. Because you'll lose yourself in the moment. And when you lose yourself in the moment, you get cut down. You no, Well, you'll get cut down. But in the Yaido Kata, you'll be out of sync and you'll mess up the timing. You'll mess up the spacing. You'll mess up all these things. And so you have to be fair. You have to be focused, but flexible because if you're really focused. You might miss the mark. If you're really relaxed, you might miss the mark. So it has to be like this calm, focused energy that you have. But it's really not the focus that you're thinking about. It's the where the energy is being driven to. Right. So if you think about Yaido, uh, how many of the techniques go backwards? Bes- besides like... Um, In Yoshintai would be the only one. Well, oh, and, um, no, the, this one. Yakta Yoshintai has a, a little half back step. Well, but there's all those are moving forward. So on a certain level, they have, they're aggressive. Right. Right. And so if you, if you just think about this idea of someone once told me, an old school um, Aikido teacher told me that, oh, in the old days, we never taught Irimi because it was implied. Because hmm. you already knew how to move forward because you studied swordsmanship or you studied another fighting art. So that's why when Osensei would let, would let you become a student back at you know the old home dojo, you either had to be a, a person who was trained in, trained in a sword like uh, Tamura Sensei, whose father was a kendo teacher, or you had to have prior martial arts training like Hichituk Sensei or <clears throat> any of these Kanai Sensei that had studied other martial arts prior to that because you already know how to move in. You already know how to fight. So once you learn how to fight and you learn how to move in, you let go of the ego of fighting, hopefully, right? Because, you know, like a lot of these guys that came to Aikido – they are like fifth on in another martial art, right? But then by that time, you had already gotten out of your system all that aggressiveness, all that fighting, all that ego, all that desire to win. And now you're just trying to improve yourself because you realize in the end, it's, winning is just to accumulate accolades. But right. The, but when you close your eyes, all those accolades go away and you must be with yourself. And so you realize, oh, I have to just develop myself and develop the inner peace to close my eyes and be okay with myself because i i can't really fall asleep holding all these gold medals clink 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 (laughs) trying to sleep you know it doesn't really work right and so that's this idea that winning and losing from a competitive aspect that's that really comes from weapons work right when this desire to win sword is all about winning you're not supposed to parry with a japanese sword right because it'll break it's too rigid Right, you can shave, you can shave another sword, but you're not supposed to go clang, 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 and have it break. Yeah, this is not this is not a Steven Seagal movie, right? You're supposed to shave it and then redirect it and then move in and cut. But that's where like this Aikido really came up with this enlightenment that you could take that aggressive movement and change it into a compassionate, peaceful, harmonizing movement 
with your body. And that, but then how do you learn that if you can't, if you don't have time to study swordsmanship? Like I, I'm kind of, tra- I'm kind of traumatized uh, in my, from when I studied swordsmanship in Kendo. So I really, I'm not a huge Boken person, but I'm, I really do like doing a lot of uh, Joe. But I, I do see the, the benefit of studying sword. Do you think? Do you think that there's, um, I, I, as we were preparing for today, I was trying to go over, in my mind, like how the te- the weapons teaching works as a as a skill or as a method. And I was wondering, you know, because you and I, well, all three of us have talked about like teaching methods. Like people will learn visually, they learn orally, and I was wondering. Is using weapons as a teaching method, is it an imaginative aid? Like, for example, I was thinking, like, when we think of weapons, uh, you know, you, you hear in Aikido, this is like so ubiquitous, but you hear it talked about the hand blade, the arm is a sword, trying to um, to capture the motion extension. Do you think that that it, it can be, it, that it's useful as as an imaginative concept? Or how do you see when people talk about, like, what does it really mean when you say the hand should function like a sword? Like, what when, when, when any one of us teaches a class and says, okay, you know, second dose, you talked about hand blade. Like, what does that mean? Well, like, I mean literally, the, like, what does that mean? Well, I mean, it's the tegatana, right? The hand is like a blade. <clears throat> but, like, it's a training tool to teach you how to move in. Because what happens is that the moment that the knife, the gun, the switchblade... The sword comes out, everyone loses their minds, right? And so you need something which is a step below that so you can still work on your eating me movement. Okay. And then so they use the hand blade, hand like a sword, right? And then later on, you know, the higher levels, like if you watch like some of these famous Aikido teachers, you know, like Tata Sensei and whatnot, they'll bring out the sword and they're moving in uh, against the sword, right? Because Sensei is famous for uh, being attacked with a sword and moving in and hitting the person with his fan. Right. Because that's like the highest level that the sword is, he can, he can look at the sword and see it as nothing. He can look at the sword and realize <clears throat> it's not conscious. It's not alive. It's just a sword. Just an object. It has, it has no meaning. It's an object. It's a brick. It's a book. But what ends up happening is that once we see the sword, Panic. All of our we panic because all of our ego comes along. I'm going to get cut. I'm a Aikido teacher of fifth on, and I shouldn't be cut. I, you know, all the girls watching are going to think I'm, um, you know, I'm a wimp. All the guys watching are going to laugh at me. Oh, all these things are going to happen. But we put that that extra weight on the sword. The sword is in an inanimate object. It is not conscious, right? But we but we assign power to it oh it's a sword oh it's a gun it's a it's a thing it's alive it's not alive it's just an inanimate tool now is there also a second level with like so you see in other martial arts like i've never studied karate um but you see that there there are hand strikes that are open-handed where you strike with the bottom of your hand um, does aikido use any of those strikes with their their actual atemi which which are open-handed um, or is that not part of the Aikido striking curriculum? Well, it is no longer a thing today. Okay. In, in Aikikai style of Aikido, they very rarely do uh, temi, and the, the temi has kind of been uh, relegated to doing stuff like this to your face. But I feel like we used to do. There are yeah. like in Yokomanuchi, like the the temi can be an open-handed strike to the neck or the temple or the ear. Well, it's supposed to be. Yeah. But people don't do that as much anymore because for one, it's not polite Two, it's too aggressive and all these other things that we kind of water down water. did not water it down, but you go, eh, you know, this young 20 year old guy crushes me with Yoko Minucci. I go, it's not like that, man. You got to, uh, and then you come up with some excuse why they should <laughs> slow down and I'm not, you know, destroy you. No, man, like the f- hit stronger and faster, but yeah, the idea of using the, uh, you know, the proper way to strike certain body parts in a temi, right? Like you, it's so funny when I see people punch, you know, when they move in and they punch the ribs like this, there's no power there, right? The, 
rib punching is usually done with an with a um, turned over fist, and then rib punching is always done with the the knuckle like that right. to pierce between the two ribs. But you know, you see people they go like, ah, oh. well, they go, ah, oh. like you know, or when you watch people do it, and then their hand just goes, there's nothing on it. Right. You'd have to be Mike Tyson to just go like bam, and then have that have it really do any damage. Right, so you have to hit it with you have to hit a temis with the proper temi hand, whether it be two knuckles like this, hand blade thumb or tucked this, in, or this style, or this thing, or back fist, or elbow, this type of elbow. You know, it all depends, right? But it's, you have to use the right tool for the right job. Right. So I mean, that's the thing is that you have to think this tegatana is a representation. But it's so, also a real weapon. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't attempt me someone like this on top of the head. Right, but Yokoman style, it, it yeah. is. But yes, Yokoman style, right? Because of the, the the bluntness of of the side of your hand to the temple, to the to the jaw or neck or to the neck to the carotid, right? Can do some. Yeah, that's what I was damage. thinking. For here, you're definitely you can collapse the carotid artery, or you, you can squish I mean, it. You, yeah, it is possible. Not by the way Aikido as people hit. You know, a karate person might be able to, a kung fu person might be able to. But like in order to really hit that that carotid and then cause that person to pass out, I mean It's got, a strong strike. It's a very strong strike, right? Like most people today don't train that way, right? Because if you do a certain martial art and it's points only or 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 light contact. But did you see that that the the points karate episode? The guy where they got he knocked the other opponent out, and he got he lost the match. Yeah, because it's against the rules, right? But I mean, but the point that's that's the difference between sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then you can't just go, oh my god, how stupid! We could cast judgment upon that person all day long, but it's the rules. Right, the right. referee was just following the rules. Yeah, this is the three-point line. They're, all the rest are two points. And knockouts are against the rules. Right, and so if, I, if I'm if i shooting from, like, you know, like the famous, you know, if you've probably ever seen the NBA logo, and the famous logo of the NBA where Jerry West is bouncing the basketball. Right, yeah. In that that picture that they took, and they became the NBA logo, uh, Jerry West uh, hit a point from, like, Mid-court? Almost mid-court, but they still lost the game because they didn't have three-point line because mm. it wasn't part of the rules yet. Right. Had it been part of the rules, they would have won that game. But in yeah. that game where Jerry West is iconically dribbling the ball, they lost that game because there's no three. it's not part of the game. Right. Right. It's not part of the rules. And that's the problem with, with competition, rules, sports, and quote-unquote real life. Right? So, I mean – you have to study the sword to where you get to so close to the edge between life and death that when you peer over, you see something that you don't like. Hmm. And then you start to train for a different reason. But what happens is that most people never train or develop themselves to the line between life and death. And then they never get to that place. Like, So there's a famous story about uh, Tiger Modi, the kendoist, that uh, when Tiger Modi came to the United States and trained, and he was in the, uh, I believe he was in the 442nd in the U.S. military, mm -hmm. that after the war, he went back to Japan and uh, had a shiai, uh, you know, kendo match. And in the kendo match, he did a technique that afterwards, Nakayama Hakuto went up to him and said, there's no way that you could have learned that technique in, in practice. In practice. Yeah. The only way to have learned that technique was war. Was in combat. Yeah. Actual duel and so he was super impressed with tiger morty's um ability to m move with the sword i don't even know what he did but that you know morty torao was this famous famous kendoist you know he was one of furio sensei's yado teachers that supposedly when you went to do the you know like you raised did to do a um kirotoshi he could ski the tsuka oh, yeah, and knock the out the yeah. tsuka in your hand you know he could do he could double draw a sword, cut, and then sheath the sword in one movement without going like flubbing it. Ugh. Right? But he was supposedly like this uh, really, really gifted uh, swordsman. Right? But that's that thing. Like, he can't, couldn't have developed that technique and beat that guy in the kendo match had he not been in a life or death struggle. Yeah. And then, and then 
it came out like that, right? And so that's the same thing with Aikido. So if you think about Aikido and weapons work, can an Aikidoist of today be at the same level as Osensei, Second Doshu, Nobuyoshi Tomura, um, or some of these other famous uh, Aikido teachers if they don't have uh, weapons training? And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because I don't have that much weapons training. I have Joe training, some Boken, some Kendo, some Yaido, right? But I'm not at Watanabe Sensei's level. Watanabe right. Sensei's sixth on Aikido, fifth on Yaido, right? His sometimes when he and I are talking and he's like just talking with his finger and cutting and doing stuff. <laughs> when I have the feeling like, whoa, whoa, dude, whoa, like he'll just be doing like, oh, you know, Chibuti is like this, and then I'm all like, oh, oh, don't do that with your finger, man. Because there's so much power yeah. that he has that it, it, it my sixth sense, it bothers my sixth right. sense. And then I have to like recall. Too much energy. It. Yeah, too much energy. But then if you don't study swordsmanship, he's been, let's see, he's been doing swordsmanship for almost 30, 30 years. 30 years, close to 30 years, Probably right? 25, at least 25 years. Yeah, it's right? 25 at least. Right. And, and so he is really gifted with the sword, right? But if who has 25 years? You start when you're 40, like, well, when I'm 65, I'll have mastered this thing. You're like, it's time to retire. <laughs> right? So, that, you know, there's this idea that if you think about what, what is the role of weapons, right? Where is a should – you, should you be studying weapons? And then should you be studying weapons so much that you're like, well, I want to um, jump my training a little farther along. So you take your bouquin out. Go down to the local uh, drug dealer's house, kick the door in, and start whacking people in the head so you can get that realism, so you can get that experience, so that you can move forward in your Aikido training. Well, that, that goes back to my second question, which we kind of eclipsed, which was we, we've done a lot of weapons training for the last year, more than we've ever done um, in the history of the dojo. I mean, in the past, the dojo had like maybe a Boken class. Sometimes we had a Joe class once a week. But in the last year, we almost had weapons class every class. Right. And do you, what's your feeling about how that has affected everyone's Aikido training? I don't know if it did or did not. Really? Just, I don't. I know that it was not swordsmanship. Like if, in terms of Boken, it was not swordsmanship. Right. Why? Because it was not taught in the way that swordsmanship is taught. Stance, grip, cutting, 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 suburi, walking suburi, and then, you know, so on and so forth. So not as rigid. It wasn't as rigid. So you have to have that rigidness. There, there's a certain point in, in sword work where you learn how to not overgrip the sword. Mm -hmm. And that takes a long, how long, did, as a Yado teacher, how long would you say it takes to where people it, aren't overgripping the sword? A couple of years. <clears throat> and that takes a lot of practice in taking people to the edge. You know, like, okay, we're, everyone, we're going to do a thousand sabuti. That's what teaches you not to, because you can only grip that thing for so long. And you get into like 200, 300 sabuti, you have to say, hey, you know what? I cannot grab onto this thing so tight and make it to a thousand because I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, it's only through that process. Off. It's only that process of pain. No one can tell you, hey, you need to loosen up on that grip. Uh, I'm loose. It's only going through the process allows you to be self-aware of your situation that, hey, I'm grabbing this too tight. I'm not going to make it to a thousand saburi doing it this way. How can I alleviate that? So you can't, you have to do the work. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the hard part that like there's a famous Aikido teacher who doesn't advocate sword work anymore because he did a lot of sword work and now his elbows are damaged. Hmm. But how did his elbows get damaged? Over gripping the sword. Over gripping the sword and letting the tip drop at the bottom. Hmm. Not Interesting. Chip, not chip drop at the at the top, but the tip drops at the bottom, which causes your oh hands to break. Hands to break, which causes your forearm to, to compensate. And then over years and years and years of doing it, he now has bad elbows. Yeah. So he thinks that maybe you shouldn't be doing uh, sword work, but that's the hard part, right? You do. A th I could tell you to do a thousand sabuti, but at some point it's going to get ugly. Right. The movement's going to get ugly because you're not in a place physically to be able to do a thousand sabuti. So that's why you start with 100, 200, 300, 400, then 500, then 600, and then 1,000, right? Because you got to work you, up to it. You don't want it to wreck your elbows or your shoulders or your wrists in route to getting to a quote unquote thousand sabuti because Tiger Morty did a thousand sabuti because Mitsuzuka Sensei did a thousand sabuti because all these people did a thousand sabuti. Right. It's just a number, 
right? And really, it's after a few hundred. It's, it's all even, the same. It's all the same. Right. Right. It, but it's the act of doing which improves your your skill. I did a thousand, right? So then, therefore, you know, the accolades and the benefit that come with showing up—that's what gives right. you the benefit. So, you know, that's. We also did um, during the pandemic. We did Boken work. We did Joe work, and then we did this hybrid. Joe Keto thing where we use the Joe as the connection between the yeah. So I was thinking about that. Do you do you think people do you think people were able with when let's say they're doing people doing like Joe and they're they're doing an Ikkyo style movement or an Ikkyo style movement? Do you think that 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 it helped people understand how the techniques worked? Well, that was our hope. That was our intent. Was that by doing these movements, you would see the same thing in a different light, mm-hmm. right? So you would see that you would see the lights in Paris from the shores of New York and then realize, Oh, the, this, that's how it works. This is what, this is what it is. This it has beauty. It has this, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not those other people. Right. Well, what was your observation? We had a new student join during the pandemic. So their only experience with Aikido was Joe Keto. Keto. And then we finally got the transition in and then got to at some point, go full contact how i'm kind of looking at that student as being kind of a, Test a guinea, guinea pig so to speak on how well they did once they started doing full contact and how that related over well but then that's again the same thing it is not that thing it is the person she did well because she does well not because we go well we did these modified aikido movements so that enabled her to step into this this form better no like what it really did was that it's just part of who she is which enables her to be successful and be successful right i would have to say and this is maybe me talking out loud but it could be 90 percent of the people will be the people that they already are and only 10 percent will find something different and be a different person hmm. so that person who already went to law school medical school already did this thing already went through the military already went through already had that drive organizational skill become good but there's there's maybe 10 or 20 percent or less that aikido training you know unearthed something inside of them and then gave that to them but you know how you do anything is how you do everything that must be my favorite saying is since I it say is it all the time <laughs> But then that person who was already organized, already doing that thing, got good at Aikido. But it seems to me, like from talking to people that I know at other dojos and just looking online and and seeing how people share, we do more weapons work, it seems, on a a percentage basis than a lot of other dojos. That's not true. It's not? You don't? It's the complete opposite. I think other dojos do way more weapons work. Really? You think? Well, you have different styles of schools, like like Iwama style, do a lot of. Yeah. Bulk end work, but their bulk end work is it's, much different than yeah, ours. It's very different. Dojo. Well, even though their Iwama bulk end is different than a mm-hmm. regular. The, the, I mean, the actual weapon itself yeah. is different. It's yeah. different than Itoryu. Uh, what we're using right now is an Itoryu inspired bulk end. Right. But that's the thing is that your those things that, that you're going to be doing, these weapons movements, they're not really, wep- it's not really swordsmanship. Right. It's IQ. It's swordsmanship for aikidoists right right and so do you really know how to cut do you really know how to project your energy and power and focus into the tip do you you know do you know how to shave do you have the timing to shave do you have the footwork right that's the hard part like so you know if you think about weapons work and what people are going to be trying to develop in terms of what is aikido weapons work a lot of it's not it's not real weapons work that's not how a boken works so in the in the ideal scenario for a student in Aikido who wants to develop to the the best of their ability, would, would they, in our school, would they take Iaido concurrently or would they have done something else before they got here? I mean, that's kind of what it seems like you're suggesting. Well, you would do Iaido concurrently because it's, you know, it's regular. It's always these days a week and you work on your swordsmanship and these days of the week you work on your Aikido, right? So if you look at Aikido and in general, right, you can tell that there's not a whole lot of of weapons work because of the way that people abro- approach the techniques and the way they approach the ukemi, 
right? So when these people that are doing like five and six uh, joint, I mean, um, grip changes, that'll never work. It's a good training tool, but that'll never it's work. It's not realistic. Yeah, it's not realistic. So in swordsmanship, you have one movement. You either cut and kill or cut and die in right. that one movement, right? You think you're going to go for cote, the wrist, and that person cuts you down? That's one. You get one shot. So that that kind of brings up to me, it seems like the second question of the, of the topic today, which is there are weapons techniques and then there's weapons takeaway techniques, right? Yeah. That's a separate piece of the weapons curriculum, right? Right. And all Aikido schools, to some extent, do those. And how is that different than weapons training? Well, the, the weapons technique is supposed to show your ultimate mastery. Because like I said... The moment the knife, the sword, the gun, the lightsaber, whatever it is, comes out, oh, no, right? You have a little accident in your pants. You can't really, you know, defend yourself. So it, when the weapon comes out, it's supposed to show your high level of ability to remain calm and still do the Aikido techniques, still make them look good, as opposed to just, oh, and then you, you, you start moving around with your Shaker. hands like this. You know, it's like, and that's the funniest thing. Like, if you look at, I call it the swimmer. Right, so if you go and you watch someone who's high level in martial arts, the moment they get bipped in the face, they start going like that. They go right into the swimmer. When really, when they get bipped in the face, they should automatically go into whatever their, their position, their their defensive position is of their art. Like there's a funny meme where it has a uh, Donnie Donnie Yen standing in the um, Wing Chun stance, and it says, "the the um, the first thing you do when someone tries to tickle you." But that's true, right? When the person hits you in the face, you shouldn't be just going like this and, and trying to hit them. When you hit the face, you should get See, into See, that, that seems to me like when, when people rag on, and this is separate from the topic today, but it seems to me that whenever people rag on traditional martial arts or Aikido, that if you watch someone in Aikido, whether it's weapons work or not weapons work, but going in a different martial art, Aikidoists that tend to get into that problem, you call it the swimming technique. I just call it like people they abandon their martial art. Yeah, they just, just give the up. Swimmer. Yeah, you call it the swimmer. I go, they just they just stop doing yeah. Aikido and then they they flail and fail, <laughs> and they haven't they just stop doing Aikido. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious, like, so. But why it, does that happen? Why does that happen? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it's failure of, of training, failure right. failure so, for the training to take hold in your mind. When you're driving down the street and a trash can rolls out, a kid steps off the curb, do you just plow that person over? No, you break or you dodge you, it. Yeah, you break or you dodge it, but you don't go, I should break, I should you dodge. You break or you dodge it. Something, something just happens. Right, your training. Your training kicks in, right? So when you get bipped in the face, as you said, you've, you flail and then you fail – where was the training? Yeah. You should have went right into Aikido. Right. Right? And so Automatically. Automatically. And that's where, that's idea where, that's why people think, well, that's why we need competition. Because if we have competition, you will know if you have achieved that level. Well, maybe that's true. Or you could just have hard training. Well, not necessarily. I remember Yoko Minichi practice and uh, Furuya Sensei is like, everyone needs to hit harder. And then the class, well, and the class like, continued. And he's like, no, I want... Yeah. So I struck Yokomanuchi on really the Nage. Hard. Yeah, I knocked him to the ground. Well, that and he was, uh, you know, 13 years old and four feet tall. But <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, but that's that. that yeah, but that's the thing. Is but that, that's the level where he was forcing us to train at in order to negotiate that attack. Right. And so that where does that quote unquote realism come from? Weapons work. And so had, had you already been a uh, black belt, godan level karate, godan level kendoist, godan level yadoist, or some godan level judoist, you would already have gotten fighting out of your system. So when that person goes, bing, your body already knows to go into that, that place. Right. You already know when to go, in, go into inner peace as opposed to go into, you know, fail and fail, right? But that's the, that's the hard part. So is, is weapons work vital to the survival of Aikido. Or even the survival of a martial artist. Well, Aikidoists in general are, well, like if you do like karate, then they have like, you know, the bow staff, they have the sai, they have tonfa. So they have weapons work, but it's a different t type of weapon, right? 
if you you don't really have sword in in karate and you don't really have a sword in judo right right but is are those weapons integral in their in their movement because aikido and sword movement are like this i would say without knowing i would say yes but from the outside looking in i would say no but i don't i don't do karate right it's been 45 years since I've done karate, you know, so I don't really know, but <clears throat> that's the thing. If you, if Aikido footwork, Aikido's ability, it's timing, it's movement, it's all based on weapons work, right? If judo and karate and all these other ones were based in weapons work, their movement would be very different. Right. You can't, like you said, we we're talking about the Olympics, right? You can't, moving with the epee or the foil and just touch the person's, you know, rib cage, that might penetrate, but that's not going to kill them. Right. And then the worst, what's the worst thing that could happen to a swordsman when you're cutting someone? Get Take the your, weapon stuck in them. And then next thing you know, you're going to get stuck. Exactly. And so that's why you have to learn. The Japanese sword is very fickle. If you don't cut precisely correct, it, gets it stuck. will get stuck. Yeah. Haven't you ever watched people cutting the the batoro people? The doing the, cutting the wara. <laughs> yeah, no, but they're they're, they're cutting. And you're like, what's the big deal? You're cutting some straw mats. No, they're trying to show that they they can cut cleanly. With, cleanly. Yeah. Right. And that's a really good thing. Cut twice, three times. They, they can chop the thing, and the things in the air, and they can chop it again, and it doesn't get stuck. Because yeah. a junior person will get stuck. Yeah, stuck and, is really bad. Yeah, because once you get your sword stuck in their clavicle, he cuts you. Yeah, you're gonna or get, someone behind you that you're gonna have to defend against, and take that weapon back into battery. It's stuck in him. Exactly. <laughs> what yeah. are you gonna do now, buddy? <laughs> right. So that's where like this idea of when you're cutting someone, you have to really know what you're doing. Yeah. So when you when you you touch them with the foil or you touch them with the shinai, you might not kill them. And remember, that person has been trained to cut one more time before they die. Right. Right. And so you, their will, supposedly the, the samurai's will is so strong that they could they could will themselves to cut one more time. Even in death. Right. And then your, your sword's stuck in their clavicle, their, your sword's stuck in their Head. skull, they're going to, you're going to get cut down. They're, they're going to take you with them. Right. And so that's this idea. Like, so if you're going to, do weapons work and you're trying to fold it into your Aikido work, you have to really kind of understand how the weapon works. So if you don't study the Joe or the sword. sword very intensely or intentively, you might be, and especially a Bokan, man, it doesn't really have a cutting edge. The cutting edge is like this wide yeah. as opposed to a Japanese sword where the cutting edge is like that wide. So the, the precision is much greater on a real Japanese sword, right? And so think, if you think about this idea, like, well, should you be studying sword or, or Joe? You probably should. But who has the time? Right. Right. And also, what is your goal? Is your goal to destroy other people? Then you don't need weapons. If you, I mean, let's say it is. Then you need weapons. Let's say it's not. You don't need weapons. But let's say your goal is to be a better person don't need weapons right you can just do your training right you just train because the training itself is the tool which is helping you get to your enlightenment to, to your inner peace right right and so you don't need it but if you are going to engage someone then you need to know how to fully move in eating me without anything attached to it but what happens ends up happening oh i don't want to get hit oh i don't want to be hit i don't oh everyone's gonna think i'm dumb oh that girl i like oh and then you can't really move in. Is there another component to this, though? I'm sitting here thinking about this. That, oh, sensei talked about this, and some of the other students of O sensei that were senior teachers, that Aikido is, he talked about it being the fulfillment of the samurai martial arts. And so, because sword was eventually the, the highest level of samurai martial arts, that there's a sort of historical value placed on sword that if you want to be if you want to be at the highest level of being a historical martial artist in Japan that you'd have you'd have to study um, the sword whether it's through Iaido or Kenjutsu or 
or some uh, Koryu. I mean, you maybe, maybe. But I'm just wondering if that's attached to a part of it. It's not not in the Aikikai um, curriculum. Curriculum, and really, it's because there's just almost no time. Like you know, like it's they don't really want you to do too much weapons work in Japan, but they also don't have that much time. Mm-hmm. The majority of the people who study Aikido in Japan study two days a week: Friday nights, Sundays. Right. So, and then that's it. They don't have any other time, and they don't, and training's not offered any other day. It's only the younger people who want to become uchideshi or a professional teacher that trains all the time, right? So we don't know how uh, Third Dochu trains them. He may train them in weapons we don't really know. But but it, but at Hombu Dojo right now, like if you go into like a Tuesday class, there's no weapons. There's no weapons, right? But the thing is, is that a lot of things have been evolved out of Aikido. Atemi has been evolved out of it. Uh, throwing people to kill them has definitely been evolved out of it. And weapons work has been evolved out of it because it's this idea that, like, uh, one time when John Stevens came to this dojo and we was, he was teaching a class and we were having dinner afterwards and he said, oh, you guys are all so aggressive. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, man, that front foot still forward, man, that's just like the height of aggressiveness, right? But that's this idea that what you're trying to scrape away pour out, remove every speck of violence and aggression inside of you to, to allow this compassion and inner peace to come in. So I get that part. But then is that really true? Can you can you get fully r- rid of aggressiveness? So when he was talking about that, like maybe you could explain it for all the people listening and for me, like how like literally – in in a Hanmi stance, how would he have changed his front foot? Was it front, so? If you look at if, uh, not for the for the people listening, for the people uh, listening, watching, for the people watching, you can just watch my hands. But the people listening, uh, in swordsmanship, your feet are supposed to be like this, right? And then Yagyu Shinkageru, back the back foot, foot drops down, right? And then, in what people believe is true Osensei Aikido, the front foot turns out like this. So if you watch like Yoshinkan or you watch these other people. They're getting into a stance with their front foot turned out. I guess someone's, someone once called it the 60-60 stance, mm-hmm. which I don't even know if that's true because, I'm, I mean, I didn't come here to do math. But that's this idea that if you turn your feet out to 60-60, you can't move forward anymore. So it's kind of funny when you watch people do Yoshinkan or the other things. They get in a closed stance on their upper body and an open stance in their, in their lower, lower body. body, and then they move forward. So it's kind of incongruent. You know, but that's just what the style of that what they do it has nothing mean that it's bad. It's just to me, you either open or you're closed. You open your stance, and that's why sometimes you see that Steven Seagal will get into a sixty sixty, and he drops his arms down to say, "Attack me as you like. I right. can defend myself." But that's not the point. The point is that the openness is in your heart. Mm-hmm. And so when John Stevens saw that our front foot was still forward, he was like, "Oh, that's so aggressive, right?" Because and it's not wrong but the thing is that you still have to be able to eat me right and if you have a different stance it takes an extra millisecond to change and then go right. forward right or the person just kicks you in the front knee and then blows out your knee and then the game is over but this idea that if you're a martial artist can you be uh balanced or can you be 100 percent at peace so on a certain level as a warrior you can never have full you can never have balance and you can never be at peace because you always have to be at at least 51% ready to go ready to go yeah because yeah. if you're not you're going to get destroyed and your your job is to destroy others so is the is the goal to be at like just 50.0000001 no the goal is to be to reach where osensei was and to be pour out all that aggressiveness and be at complete ease inner peace to where both your feet are turned out and, and first, still be and, able to and be completely open to your opponent's attack because there is no attack there is no opponent only you exists but like that's that thing how do you get to that level without weapons training without realism training without competition and all these different things well you know if you're looking at from that standpoint of this you're being too aggressive you got to ask yourself, did you walk the same path as Osensei? And I think I'd mentioned this prior that you look at older pictures of Osensei when he was in his 30s or 40s. 
That guy looked like a pipe hitter. And he was knocking heads. Yeah. That, that dude was a killer. You know what I mean? So he had to walk that path of the martial artist, you know, hardcore martial artist to as a vehicle to take him into this enlightened phase. But yeah. if you if you you can't expect to get here unless you take in the same road he has and you're all peace and harmony <laughs> and expect to get to the level of O Sensei without having to walk those hard that hard path of, of having it as a martial arts vehicle initially. So, so then that the question becomes do you need to study weapons in Aikido? I, I mean, I, I would say yes, but I would, I would add even one layer to that, which is if you're going to, if you're going to be a complete martial artist, um, that second piece of weapons you need to study because you need to, be a, you need to learn uh, how to defend yourself against all outcomes or all aggressions. And weapons are involved. I mean, people will pull a gun on you. They'll pull a knife on you. They'll pull a baseball bat on you. And as you mentioned before, you know, weapons bring up different timing and distance and different intents and different types of injuries. And you need to understand. You need to understand those, and you need to be able to train in them. Well, but you're not talking about training with them. You're training, talking about training against them. And that's those are two different things. I agree. They are two different things. But I I do, would say that. But like, but that's the thing is, do you need to do? Do I think the answer is yes. I think so. You need to study gun and how to use a gun in order to be a full. I mean, I would probably say yes, but I think a lot of people would say no. I don't think you need to carry a gun, but I think that um, to understand, I mean, I don't think you need to know how to detonate a nuclear weapon to know how to build a bunker, but. I think in general, like understanding all the different threats that you could face and then how to counter them makes no, but you. You're talking about two different things. You're talking about using weaponry to develop yourself or using and defending yourself against weaponry. Yeah. Well, that the the point of weaponry is not to develop yourself. I mean, it's not the the point of defending yourself against weaponry is not really the point of developing yourself. I agree. That's, no, no, I, I, the, I totally, I agree with you 100%. That, I, so you, there are two separate things. Right. So Absolutely. You don't, you don't necessarily need to know how to use a gun to defend yourself against a gun. That's true. I, I, I agree right. with so that. Yes. How do you learn how to, so every, so it is a very innate thing to want to fight, to want to resist, right? Because as primal people, our, the only way we could defend ourselves like I read this article about the Olympic Games and how the Olympic Games are a uh, development. A de I think yeah. I sent it to you. Yeah, you sent it to me. Development of how people of all these primal moves that enable the smaller human to defeat a larger, animal. faster animal. Right. Javelin throws, rock throws, long distance running, long distance running, and all these different things. Right. So if we think about it from that standpoint this idea of survival of the fittest and usually that is done through aggression is something that people need to understand but after a certain level you don't you don't need that aggression anymore so if you study weapons your desire is to learn to move and use the weapon to defend yourself but then to learn how to as they say the muto the empty the, yourself em empty, out empty hand Right. So if you watch the end of Jet Li's Hero, right, he talks about the character that he was the that Broken Sword was drawing was no sword, right? Like, oh, then the highest level is, is to you must become one with the sword. The sword must be you. You must become one with the sword. The sword becomes one with you, but the highest level is when you no longer need the sword and you can put the sword down. Right. So, usually people study the sword and the Joe to improve their Aikido movement. But at a certain point, you have to put that down and then you start to just do Aikido. So how do you, how do you get to that level? You can either study uh, weapons or you could study a different martial art or having coming and already studying a different martial art, you know, or maybe you're like this really great street fighter that's been in like 30 altercations. So you already know how to move in and punch somebody and defend yourself. But the whole point of this idea is that the sword is not is not to cut down others. The sword is to cut down your own ego. Yeah. Right. And so, does does the sword is the sword necessary? It, is our weapons necessary in Aikido work? I, 
from our lineage, it is necessary. Right. But from others' lineage, I mean, I watch the things that people do. Like, there's no way you can do that. Right. Yes, you can do that. But you, you can't can really do it. You can't that. really do it. But in a real fight, you can't do none of that. You're risking yeah. your own life to twirl that sword that way, to flip it in the air, to, you know, kick it and all these. The, you're, the, you're gambling. You're, yeah. Right? Because the sword is very fickle. Right, it has the, it, it easily turns on its master, right? And so if you start flipping it around, you could cut yourself. Yeah, yeah, you could go to the hospital afterwards, but in the old days there were no hospitals. Yeah, sepsis, you die. Yeah, you wrap that thing up and hope that you didn't die, right? So the question of that for the hour is, what is the role of weapons in Aikido training? Right. So one, it's it's the defense of your defense against a weapon shows your level of ability, shows your level of training. Right. But two, learning how to use the weapon, you learn how to be aggressive, you learn how to fight. But then at a certain point, you stop that to fight and use it as a tool to enhance your ability. And then it becomes nothing more than just, you know, it could just be like um, a jump rope. A weight. Right, a training tool. A training tool. Because it, that training tool enables you to... Um, I think it's that second one which is super valuable from a um, mental training standpoint. That it, it tra trains your intensity, trains your um, the level of risk. Um, it, it like intensifies your, your mental state. Which is, as you know, Mike was talking about how... I mean, I can remember this one particular class... That, um, I know the three of us were in the class, but it was a we were, it was a Yokomanuchi, and we were doing uh, Gokyo, and we had to enter in. And I remember leaving the class the next day. I had bruises down my forearm because we had to come in and um, like block the Yokomanuchi. And um, I remember uh, there wasn't a weapons class, but I remember that we had to have a very very strong intent. And when I think of a lot of the weapons classes that I had taken going all the way back, the intent was was so much more um, uh, intensified by knowing, like, it is, I don't know, you, you talk about this all the time in, in the weapons classes, like, don't get injured. Uh, because the risk of injury is so much higher when you have, you know, even in a slow weapons class, you can poke your eye out, you can break your wrist, you can break a hand. Um, and so that brings uh, the martial energy in that class like up another level, maybe two levels, maybe three levels. And uh, that, I think, helps people train at a, at a very high level. And it, it does. And you're not wrong with that. The hard part is where's, where, what is the role? How much weapons training should you do? For instance, it once shaved. I, I did ski. He shaved. The bokken. Oh, I know this story. And then turn, twist, and poked me right here. And acupuncturists call this Ren 22, but it's like this little cleft. And then it went, oh, like that. And I covered my throat <laughs> oh, like this. My face had must have had this shock. And he said, you're fine. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, I'm not oh, fine. I'm dying. But it was, I mean, and it went in maybe an inch or two. Yeah. And it, But it made me go, oh, like that. And I, I mean, I was like, oh, my God. God, like, and if you just stick your finger in your own, oh yeah, it's not even an inch wide. Yes, yeah, and this dude went blam right, right, and then he didn't kill me. Yeah, right? an inch higher, I, I am talking to you guys like this. And yeah, then, you collapse know, your trachea. Yeah, so, but I mean, that's that thing. Like, the, it has its role, but where does its role today in the in a modern dojo? What is its role in a guy who starts Aikido when he's 69 years old? Yeah. What is its role for someone who wants to be a professional teacher and starting Aikido at the age of 20? It has a different role for each one of those things. Right. But the hard part is that being aggressive, being, um, you know, like being a good fighter, it is very hard to leave that. Well, the one thing that I, I mean, I know we're getting close to the end, but I, you said something at the very beginning of the, of the talk. You said... When I said weapons in Aikido, and the first thing you said was, are you doing it the right way? And I think that that's like the way to circle it back to the beginning is, 
um, whether it's a, t- a teacher or someone starting in the very beginning or how you incorporate it into your training now, whether it's one day a week or three days a week, is the person who's teaching the weapons. Um, it, it has to be done competently with skill, efficiency, um, and a way in which people can learn safely. And if you can't do any of those things, then it probably shouldn't be done. Yeah, and that's, that's definitely true. Like all those points are true. And again, like you said, the it, it, every person has to have their intent. A, a guy who's 69 is, you know, studying weapons in a different capacity than the person who's 20. A person who's 20 and wants to be an Aikido teacher, professional Aikido teacher, studies in a different capacity than a person who's 35 and got four kids. Right. Right. But so it's, but again, it comes back to. What you, what is your intent, and then your what's your t- goal? What's your goal, and then doing it the right way, right? If, uh, a sword should, should only be used as a deadly weapon, right? But the way people do these things today, I, you watch them do tachitori, and then when they're throwing the person, they're holding the blade. You think you know you just grabbed a razor sharp. Yeah, your fingers sword, just buddy. popped off. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean that's what it really comes down to is that using the sword and Boken and Joe correctly and with the right intent. Yeah. So it has its role. It's not everything, but it is definitely a huge part of Aikido training because Aikido movement is based on weapons movement, right. weapons timing, weapons spacing. So. Maintaining connection, all these things. All those things. So I think that's a pretty good place to yeah, stop. Yeah, I think we should wrap yeah. it up right there. Well, thank you for watching and listening to this podcast we appreciate it and uh, make sure you subscribe and like this video or podcast thank you thank Thank you very much